Hi everyone. Chapter 23 deals with the scientific revolution and the new learning. Several scientists that this chapter talks about are Nicholas Copernicus, Johannes Kepler, Galileo Galilei, and Sir Isaac Newton. Nicholas Copernicus was basically the forerunner who dealt with the heliocentric cosmos. Heliocentric is basically the term that deals with sun-centered, and it was contradictory of what was once thought as geocentric, which was earth-centered model. Johannes Kepler basically confirmed Copernicus theories that showed planets moved around the sun in elliptical paths. Galileo, on the other hand, formulated the law of falling bodies and used the telescope to confirm about empirical models around the heliocentric universe. Between 1600 and 1700, there were new tools that invented to accurately measure the physical world. And you have the sciences of physics and astronomy, as well as a language of higher mathematics that were established at that time. One of the things that you wanna look at is there was this new science thought that contradicted the scriptural teachings with both the Catholics and the Protestants. You have the new learning about how scientists scientists demystify nature. The new learning provided a mythology, excuse me, methodology for more accurate describing and predicting its operations. One of the scientists um, of that time, an English scientist by the name of Francis Bacon, was the author of what's called the Novum Organum, who championed induction in the empirical method and gave priority to knowledge gained through the senses. You also have a philosopher and physician by the name of John Locke. John Locke defended the empirical tradition with the theory that all experience is imprinted on the human mind. He called it a tabula rasa, or a blank slate at birth. There was this Frenchman by the name of René Descartes who was considered the father of modern Western philosophy. And he basically developed this authority of the inductive method. He, along with other people, embraced this new type of learning and also identified God as a master mechanic who did not interfere with the laws of nature. One of the other scientists of this time, Isaac Newton, he brought a new thought about bringing together physics and mathematics in reference to theory. Newton also had this work called Principia that promoted the idea of uniform and intellectual or intelligible universe that operates systematically as a will or machine. Regarding the art in this time period, you have um, the Baroque style marked by an empirical attention to physical detail and a fascination with light and space. There was an increased demand for non-religious or the other term would be used is called secular subjects such as still life, landscape, portraiture, and genre painting. These particular types of um, artwork reflected the preoccupation of how there was the increase of the wealth of the middle class. In the Northern Baroque area of the 17th century, there is some of the artists work by the name of Vermeer, as well as Rembrandt and Leicester, who looked at um, the ordinary house and the home, the pleasures of the house and the home. One of the, um, Key things about Rembrandt is that he did a lot of self-portraits, which he was a master of. And finally, the Baroque instrumental music was 
a dominant for musical composition. You have the string instruments, specifically the violin that reached a new level of refinement. There was also um, more keyboard instruments and musical performance in general that benefit development of, of the popularity of instrumentation. You also saw this rise of what's called the sonata, the suite and the concerto. And one of the um, proponents of music at the time was Vivaldi, and he was most influential with his development of the Baroque concerto, specifically the concerto grosso. One thing to mention, um, Johann Sebastian Bach brought to perfection the art of the fugue and compositions whose complexity and brilliance remain unraveled. Thank you so much. <laughs>